be what's all of this about Don't get your way, all you do is fuss and pout It's been a great day already, hasn't it? It's been a hot November also in San Diego. <laughs> well, hey, welcome to All People's Church. Uh, I'm Kendall, and I'm one of our pastors here. I'm our executive pastor over our ministries. So just want to officially welcome you again to our church. Have you guys been enjoying this Boy Meets Girl series? It's been awesome. I lead one of our college life groups, and it's been fun, just some of the conversation we've had uh, throughout this series. But Robert and Steph are on vacation this week in New Mexico with their family, and they will be back next Sunday finishing the series. So that'll be something to look forward to. And I'm going to be continuing it this morning as well. I'll never forget that fateful day at Baylor University. 2002, it was autumn. I had my cool tweed jacket on, riding my bike home from class. Went to 512 Allen Place, my apartment complex. I chained up my bike on the stairwell. And then I saw her, Shelly Shepard. <laughs> I immediately was struck by her beautiful brown eyes, her, her warm smile. And she boldly went up to me and said, hey, I think I'm your neighbor. And we started to talk and, and God started to build a friendship uh, in our lives, and then, you know, we began dating, and now we've been married almost 10 years. I'm very, very thankful for my wife, Shelly. Um, and it really, really was such a fun time getting to know each other. It, was, it, it felt perfect, but I think as we all know, no relationship between two people is perfect. Can I get an amen? All right, so here's a few ways that I learned that early in my relationship with Shelly. Um, a few uh, months after this chance meeting at the stairwell when music was playing in the air and uh, love was uh, definitely there, uh, I was taking out the trash in my apartment complex. So what happened was I had a big trash bag and, you know, it was just kind of overflowing. And I get right in front of Shelly's door. Her door was on the way to the dumpster. So I get right in front of Shelly's door. Maybe it was God. Maybe it was an angel. I don't really know. But the trash bag collapsed right in front of her door. And so there's trash everywhere. I've got all my stuff. And give me a break. I was 19. Okay. So I did pick up most of the trash, but I did leave some of it on her doorstep. Okay. I repent. Okay. I know you've left trash out too. Okay. So, so I leave this trash out. A few weeks later, I'm at a party. Shelly happens to be there. Um, and, and we're talking in front of a bunch of friends and I walk into this big group and she just corners me in front of, I don't know, 15, 20 people. And she says, did you leave meat on my doorstep? <laughs> and I went, no. <laughs> so I got to repent on our first date for lying. That was awesome. Um, I almost, almost got in a car accident as well on that first date. Um, a few weeks later, after we started dating that summer, I had sinus surgery, okay? And so I was at home uh, from college, and Shelly and I are from the same area, so she came to visit me a few days after my surgery. I knew she was a keeper when she hung out with me for a few hours after I'd had, my nostrils were enormous. There was like gauze stuck in them, blood coming out. I was coming off the anesthesia. It was very embarrassing. So from the beginning, our relationship was less than perfect, but you know, we love each other and praise God. Move to our wedding. Okay, so we get engaged. It's glorious. Our wedding big Texas wedding, large church, 
you know, big window behind us at the church. And we have the privilege of a lot of friends being at or in our wedding. So Jonathan Lair, our pastor in Tijuana, he played guitar in our, in our wedding, asking about it sometime. And uh, Robert was, you know, my discipler and pastor. And so he was our officiant. So during the course of planning the wedding, Robert got this bright idea for the wedding sermon, okay? So he thought, we're going to celebrate you guys, we're going to encourage you in your marriage, but I also kind of want to throw in a little something extra. So I'm going to make sure I cover heaven, hell, and judgment and your wedding sermon. Kind of like, well, you're the pastor, so, you know, whatever. And so there we are, it's, you know, about 300 people. Uh, Shelly comes down the aisle, it's glorious, and Robert did such a good job encouraging us and speaking into our lives. And then we get to the wedding kind of sermon portion. Remember, these windows are behind us. It's starting to get very hot. And I look over one of my groomsmen. His name is Drew. He's a pastor now as well. And Drew just starts kind of doing one of these numbers. You know what I'm talking about? You guys seen this in a wedding before? Maybe on America's Funny Some videos or something? Well, that's my wedding. Okay, so... So Drew starts to kind of, you know, and, you know, Robert's being very eloquent and very loving. I feel so filled up and encouraged. I'm a words of affirmation person. I'm blessed. But then he kind of gets to the part he's really excited about. So he looks out at this big Dallas crowd, and then he says, and we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And right then, I kid you not, Drew just goes, he just hits the ground. My friend Luke next to him, kind of a cool fraternity guy, he steps out of the way. He just hits, like, he hits the ground. Here's the amazing thing about Robert. He's a perseverer. He just keeps going. <laughs> Drew gets up. Okay, I better finish this up. And so we finished the ceremony, and it was awesome reception, and we lived happily ever after. Uh, Drew says that my grandmother came up to him during the reception and says, thank you so much for doing that. That sermon was just getting long. Okay, so listen, listen, if I go too long today, somebody just yell out too long. Give me a break. I don't want to make anybody pass out. (laughs) Relationships can be less than perfect. Funny story, but, but serious topic. You know, Robert and Steph have done such a great job of casting vision for God's ideal for us with marriage and dating. Um, You know, whenever we're looking at a topic in the scriptures, we always want to start with God's ideal. What's God's plan? What's God's best? What did God intend? And today, maybe we're going to look at it from the other side a little bit. We're going to focus on some of the challenges, some of the challenges of relationships, Uh, maybe some ways where we're living less than God's ideal. Uh, Maybe some of us, they're just barely surviving in this season. But before I get into it, there's just a little pastoral caveat I want to make, and which is this. We know that there are people in all different seasons in this church. And so we know there are people in this church that are single and very happy about it. And we also know there are people that are single and really want to be in a relationship. Uh, In this church, there's multiple divorcees that some have remarried, some haven't. And, you know, there's grace for you in this church to find your next season in life. There's widows, there's widowers, there's people that have left relationships because of abusive situations. And I think I just want to say to everyone here, maybe if you aren't married, this is your family. There's a place for you here. If you have a need, we as pastors and leaders, we want to be here for you. Amen. So in this season, we're we're honing in on marriage, but please don't feel like it's an exclusion. We're honing in on one thing in a different season in church life. We'll hone in on other things. This morning happens to apply a little more to the married couples. You know, thinking about last week, 
Genesis 1 or 2, Robert and Steph talked about. When you think about Adam and Eve, they had it pretty good, right? Right? It's like on the best marriage retreat ever. You know, they're in this perfect garden. I kind of view it like Torrey Pines. You guys ever been up there at the glider port? It's like awesome, okay? I kind of view it a little like that, okay? They're naked and unashamed, awesome. They can eat whatever they wanted, except for that one tree, right? They're friends with all the animals. Maybe that doesn't excite you guys. They're in the presence of God. Okay, so God's plan for Adam and Eve, for all of us, is that we would flourish. Amen? That we would flourish. The word flourish, it means this, to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way, especially as the result of a particularly favorable environment. To grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way, especially as the result of a particularly favorable environment. God wants us to grow or develop in a healthy way. That's his plan for our marriages, for our relationships. Unfortunately, you know, even some of us, we start out on the right foot, but things don't grow or develop in a healthy way at times. He wants to put us in a particularly favorable environment. Amen? So you may look at our culture today and say, hey, this is not a favorable environment for marriages. Look at some of the statistics that are out there. But can I just tell you that this church is a favorable environment for your marriage? That's what we want it to be. We want you to flourish in your relationships. So I want to speak to you this morning from the subject, the fight to flourish. The fight to flourish. Are you ready? You ready for the word of God? If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand or uh, our ushers always give those out. This is a free gift. They're coming down the aisle right now. They'll hand you one. We'll have it up on the screen as well. If you've got a Bible yourself or a phone, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 this morning in the New Living Translation. Genesis chapter 3 and the New Living Translation. Give these Bible guys a wave if you need one. They'll be happy to give you one. And we will hop in. Let's pray as we open the Bible this morning. Father, we pray right now over your word. We confess that your word is power in our lives. God, we pray you'd open it up for us. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and be our teacher, that you translate this message for every person and give them exactly what they need. You are the best teacher, God, and we open our hearts to you. Bind every distraction. Help us focus on your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Eve responds, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it or you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. They hid from the Lord God among the trees, and the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? 
And I think it's amazing. Adam and Eve were in a particularly favorable environment, were they not? Something else got into that environment. Don't really know how it happened. Somehow they got distracted. They got off mission. You know, God wanted them to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. And somewhere along the way, they got a little distracted. And then another voice was speaking to them. God comes to Adam in verse 11. He says this, who told you? We say that with me. Who told you? God said, who told you, Adam? Who told you that you were naked? God recognizes the presence of another voice in Adam and Eve's life. He recognizes the presence of another voice. So he says, who told you? So here's the first key and to fight to flourish for a marriage. You got to guard your garden. Amen? You got to guard your garden. I'm going to wake you guys up eventually. You got to guard your garden. Amen? All right. You got to guard your garden. Let me tell you a story about a snake. You guys don't seem very excited. That's okay. I'm going to keep going. Let me tell you a story about a snake. So my dad and I grew up canoeing together. And so we had a lake where we would go down and we would canoe and, uh, you know, we'd go there periodically. And so the canoe would sit uh, upside down by the lake when we weren't there. And so one day we walked up to the canoe and we flipped it over. Now, you know, a lot of times there were pine needles or just trash or other things that would gather around there. But at this time, when we flipped over the canoe, we saw something else. We saw a snake. Now, in Texas, we have these snakes called water moccasins. I don't know if you know what these are. These are poisonous snakes that are in lakes. You have to look at what you're swimming. I know no one here is ever going to swim in a lake again. But anyway, so the, these, these lakes are in the, in the lake while you're swimming. So this water moccasin is right there. So what was so profound to me is how my dad reacted. You know, I, I remember this as a five- or six-year-old kid. But first of all, let me tell you what he didn't do. He didn't ignore the snake. He didn't talk to the snake. He did not let the snake hang out with the family. He did not make it a place setting and provide it a hamburger during the football game. Are you with me? He didn't flip the canoe back over and think the snake was somebody else's problem. He didn't ignore it. He didn't run away afraid. What he did do was chop its head off with a canoe paddle in Jesus' name. All right? It was awesome. God says to Adam, who told you? He's recognizing the presence of another voice. There was a snake in Adam's house. Man, here's a clue. First application from the message. If a snake talks to your wife, kill the snake. What are you going to do, Joel? You're going to kill the snake? All right. We're going to kill the snake. I know I'm being funny, but listen, there are other voices in all of our lives. God would say to some of us, who told you? He would want to know what the origin of that voice is. So let me just get practical for a minute and talk about some of the other voices that sometimes speak into our marriage because we need to guard our home. We need to guard our garden just like Adam and Eve should have. So here's a, here's a practical thought, the subject of media. You, you know, at my house, we received such great discipleship from this, from Robert and Stephanie. So we determined early on in our marriage not to let another voice influence us not to let another voice influence. Now, we're not Amish, okay? We have a TV, we have Netflix, okay? But we don't allow media in our lives that doesn't glorify God, amen? That doesn't honor marriage, that's impure, that celebrates sexual immorality, that celebrates the occult. Why? It's another voice. We don't need that voice. That voice has plenty of access to everyone's lives outside of our home. 
You go down the street, there's that voice. You see a billboard, there's that voice. You go to work, there's that voice. Our home, one voice, the voice of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we want. You see, many of us have mental or moral struggles, and I think God would come to some of us and say, who told you that? Where was the voice that told you that? Maybe it was your family of origin. Maybe it was a circumstance growing up. Maybe it's something that's happened in your life now. Who told you that? You know, I hate to even mention it, but statistically I need to. Uh, on the subject of media, you know, it's pornography. I just want to make it very simple. Pornography is demonic. Okay, it's inspired by the devil. It's addictive. It will ruin your life. It will not spice things up. And you need to do everything you can to kill that snake and get it out of your house in Jesus' name. Listen, if you're struggling with that, this church is a safe place for you. We minister to people all the time. We see them set free supernaturally for years and years and years. Freedom is possible, but you got to guard your garden in Jesus' name. Amen? We're in a fight to flourish. The first step, guard your garden. Here's the next key in the fight to flourish. The word is our weapon. Amen? The word is our weapon. It says work in the word there, but I changed it and didn't tell the slide team. So the word is our weapon, okay? Here's the second key in the fight to flourish. Let me, let me explain it to you. The other day I was listening to a radio program, and it was an interview of a Navy SEAL. And I thought, well, this will be interesting because I live in San Diego. There's a large community of these guys here, so I want to learn. And so he was being interviewed about a lot of his personal habits. So asking about his diet, his exercise, his management style, his leadership style. It was all interesting. But there's one thing that really, really struck to me about this commander and the answers he was saying. The, the interviewer, and I don't know why I asked him this, said, what time did you wake up today? And he said, like, some crazy early time. And then he said, here's the reason I wake up so early every day. I want the psychological win over my enemy. He said, I want the psychological victory over my enemy. I know that when I wake up, my enemy across the world, he's up to. He's planning. He's scheming. He's doing something dastardly. He's doing something evil. And so I want to wake up and beat him up in my day so I can be ahead of the game. What a spiritual principle for us. Amen? Like we want to be people who are up in the morning reading the word of God, applying it to our lives because there's a victory over the enemy that comes when we are prepared. The word is our weapon. Amen? Listen, Jesus said it this way, John six sixty three. He said, my words are spirit and they are life. My words are spirit and they are life. Don't you want his spirit in your life? Don't you want fresh life into your heart and soul? It's his word that we use as a weapon in our life. If the enemy can't get you to morally compromise, he will distract you from your devotions with the Lord. We want to wake up. We want to set our days to give God our first and give God our best and say, God, I'm purposing my heart towards you this morning, and I'm using the word of God and a weapon in our life. Because we can't fight to flourish without our most powerful weapon. Amen? You know, speaking just of the weapon of the word of God, Luke chapter 4. Jesus, he's tempted by the devil in the wilderness. You guys might know the story. He's on a 40-day fast, so he was hungry. The devil comes to him. And says, if you're the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Tempting him with food. What does Jesus say? It is written. 
He says, it is written, Jesus fought the devil with the word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, God calls the word of God, Paul writes in Ephesians 6, the sword of the the sword of the spirit. The word is our weapon. Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight according to the prophecies that are spoken about you. We can't fight to flourish without our most powerful weapon. The word of God needs to be active in our lives. Amen? You know, early in our marriage, Shelly and I, we, we really struggled. Um, it was very, very hard. Uh, you know, sometimes marriage can be so emotional especially in those early years. You're trying to figure life out. You're trying to share your hearts with each other. And they're even as healed up as you get, like Robert and Steph talked about last week, one of the purposes of marriage is to conform us into the image of Christ. So do you know how that happens? Your junk comes out. <laughs> and so these few, first few years of our marriage, we were dealing with a lot of junk, a lot of baggage, a lot of habits or relational issues we'd picked up from our family of origin, a lot of healing needs in our hearts. And, you know, things felt so confusing. I, I just remember different times having these discussions, you know, their arguments. And uh, it was like having an out-of-body experience. I was like, I can't believe I'm having this, this discussion right now. Should Christians even be talking this way? Like, there was emotional struggles, work struggles, financial struggles, family crisis. It was a perfect storm. It was hard. The enemy wanted to take us out. But I can tell you, the word of God is what gave us life. Amen? The word of God gave us life. So let me share a few practicals on working the word of God and using the word as a weapon. So here's the first thing we did, and I'm not ashamed to say this. We sat down with older mentors, but we also sat down with a Christian counselor who showed us how to appreciate, appropriate and apply the word of God into our lives. We needed it. There's probably a lot of other people in here that need it because we need someone to show us how to apply the word of God into our life. Amen? You know, um, it took time for us to understand the brokenness of our past, how to have relational health as a married couple, um, but it wasn't a counselor that changed us. It wasn't the many books or devotional books that we read that try to get the word of God into our heart. It wasn't a book. It wasn't a teacher. It was the spirit of God active through the word of God. Amen? That's how we get transformed, using the word as the weapon. It's our main weapon against the enemy's attacks. Every year, the beginning of January, I go away for a personal retreat, and I pray, and I ask God for a scripture to be believing for my family throughout the course of the year, just a personal prayer retreat. It's amazing what God will do as I give him time to speak and hear his voice. And so then whatever scriptures God has spoken, I will fight with those by declaring them over my family the rest of the year. It's a good practical for some of us as we move into the holidays. Maybe you get some time away. Maybe you get a treat and get the word of God into your life. I want to read one of the scriptures that God was highlighting to me at the beginning of this year, just so I can demonstrate this for you. So Genesis 12, Genesis 12, verse 1 and 3. So I went away, and I felt like God was highlighting this verse for me. Now the Lord said to Abram, so I'll just start praying. The Lord said to Abram, thank you, God, I'm a child of Abraham. So you're going to speak to my family this year in Jesus' name. The Lord said to Abram, the Lord's going to say to Kendall, the Lord's going to say to Shelley, and I'll just begin to pray. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. Thank you, God, that there's things you're calling me to leave this year. Thank you, you're calling me to leave discouragement. 
Thank you for calling me to leave disappointment. Thank you for calling me to leave these things behind, and I'm going to go to the place that you're going to show me. God, I ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation this year. I pray that you'd be showing me these things. I pray over my family that your voice would be abundant, that you'd be showing me things. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. God, what do we have now that we can use to be a blessing to other people? I pray that you would show us, God. Let us be conduits of your blessing. God, where do I need to be expecting and planning for your blessing so you can use me in a powerful way to touch other people's lives? And I'll just begin to go through. All families of the earth shall be blessed. God, what other families, what other nations, what other peoples? I'll just begin to pray through the different scriptures God is giving me at the end, beginning of the year. So a little practical for you as we move into the holidays. Now, here's something I know, just a few things maybe to combat this morning. There's a few lies that I know the enemy is speaking to you today. The enemy came to, to Eve, and he said, did God really say? So a few, few things I just know that are active in this room right now. Some people might be hearing right now, did God really say to come to church today? <laughs> I want to tell you, God has a place for you here today. God might be whispering to some of us, hey, there's not a place for you here in this community. Hey, it's called All People's Church for a reason. There's a place for you. I want to combat that lie with the word of God this morning. Amen. You know, one thing I've heard couples really struggle with, and once the enemy gets in here and starts to speak about this, it kind of becomes a ticker tape. It's hard to turn off. As I've sat down and counseled numerous married couples, the enemy will come to some of us and say, did God really say to marry that person? I wonder if you're married to the wrong person. Then he'll just begin a cycle of pulling you away from your marriage, pulling you away from community, pulling you away from the word of God. Can I just tell you Psalm 105 says that God sustains his covenants. Listen, if you are in a marriage covenant with someone this morning, they can be here or not here. God's desire is to sustain that covenant. You made it with him, not just with each other, and he's a lot stronger than both of you. Amen? Yeah, God sustains his covenants. We gotta guard our garden. We're gonna use the word as a weapon. Here's the next key in the fight to flourish. We gotta fight right. Can you just say that with me? Fight right. I'm having you say it so you remember it. Fight right. We must begin to understand that our fight to flourish in marriage is not a fight against our husband or our wife. Amen? The Bible says this in Ephesians 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We are in a spiritual war for our marriage. Conflict in a relationship can be so interesting. It can be productive or it can be unproductive. Have you ever noticed this? The, the other day, I, I started having some knee pain in my right knee, and I have a friend who's a physical therapist, and so he came over to my house, and I said, hey, what's, what's wrong with my knee? And we started talking about some different exercise routines I was doing, and I, I had been doing like a spin bike. And so he said, well, show me how you're doing the spin bike. And so I moved my knee for him, and I moved it like this, and he was like, oh, oh, there it is. Yeah, you know, and basically uh, my form on the spin bike was wrong, and so I injured my knee. It's better now. Don't worry. Okay, but... And then he showed me how to move my leg, because I'm bow-legged, so I have to work on it, on how to move my knee in the right way. Okay, funny story, but there's going to be pressure. There's going to be conflict in all of our relationships, right? So how we handle that determines whether it 
injures us or it builds us up. So let me talk to you about fighting right. Let's look at this conflict between Adam and Eve. Verse 11 of Genesis 3, God says, who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. (laughs) Should I just drop the mic? No. Um, The Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. Adam, seriously? (laughs) What happened to at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It's, there's none of that going on, right? Okay, first, Adam blames Eve, right? The woman. But have you ever thought about this? Then he turns it on God. The woman you gave me. Now, I've never seen God, but I can imagine his body language at that particular moment. Then the woman blames the devil, right? Oh, it's the devil. Okay, the serpent deceived me. Blame is such a common response to challenges and conflict, isn't it? We laugh about Adam. We do it all the time. Who told you that, Adam? The accuser is the one who tells us to accuse. This is a principle that has saved my marriage, really. Revelation 12.10 says this. The accuser of the brethren or the accuser of the brothers is Satan. So who's the accuser? Satan. Okay. So when we accuse our spouse, when we blame our spouse, when we accuse our coworker, our boss, our friend, our leader, This is a simple question. Who are we partnering with? I didn't sign up to partner with that guy. You will never transform a relationship through blame or accusation. You'll only make it worse. You'll only further destroy it. We gotta fight right. We're not fighting against our spouse. We're not fighting against people in the family of God. We're called to honor and love. We're fighting a spiritual battle against the rulers and forces in this heavenly realm. Amen? Yeah, we gotta fight right. We can't, we can't give in to blame and accusation. Uh, here's another thought. There's blame and there's shame, okay? So on the shame piece, let me just share a few thoughts for us. You know, all the married couples in this room are probably aware of the statistics concerning divorce or failed marriages or challenges in marriage in our society, but, but let me read you a few things you may not have known. This is from the New York Times. Only 19% of married couples ever seek outside help for their marriage. 19%. This is like the most important relationship in your life. Only 19% of couples. I mean, outside help was helpful to me. Over two-thirds of divorcing couples never try to resolve their issues with someone else. Evangelical couples that pray and attend church together, regardless of what you've heard, I have the most recent research on my iPad, have the lowest divorce rate. Let me tell you why. There's a blessing in counsel and there's a blessing in community. The Bible commands a blessing. It says, in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. 
Don't you want an abundance of counselors in your marriage? Don't you want to have a victorious marriage in the fight to flourish? You know, these two things have saved our marriage. And just a thought on counselors, don't just like go on Yelp and like find a counselor, okay? Or don't just go to the counselor that's on your health insurance. You want to have someone that's speaking into your life that's applying the word of God with power and revelation to move you forward, amen? This church, we want to help people with that. Please come talk to us if that's a need. We ask all of our missionaries to be evaluated by a counselor. We believe in outside counsel in this church. Can I just go on the record saying that? All right, we got to fight to flourish. We got to fight right. Here's kind of how I think about it. Before you get knocked out, tap out. Amen? Okay, so there's shame. But the reason we don't share, the reason we don't get help is because of shame. Genesis 3-7 says this. The eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. Take a look with me for a minute at this fig tree. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's here. I got one. All right. Take a look at this fig tree. Little fig tree. Looks like about the one in the Garden of Eden, about six days old. (laughs) You know? Mark, here's a seed for you. There you go. You plant one in your house. Okay, so here's the deal with this fig tree. Does this look like it would make a good loincloth to you? Like, let's just be real for a minute, okay? This is not a covering plant, right? Are you guys following me on this? Like, when we try to hide our issues and avoid being vulnerable because of shame... This is going to get you nowhere. I'll bring that one to the 10. Okay. But look, this is what we do. We hide from the deep transformative work the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. We hide sometimes with Christian activity. We hide sometimes with work. Sometimes these couples, they have their separate hobbies. They're like ships passing in the night. We hide using the kids. We hide using the in-laws. We hide using this or that, working on the house. Whatever the proclivity is in your life, there is something that the enemy is driving you to to prevent you from being vulnerable, most likely. Shame is not from God. So just to put it simply, those things, they're fine. They're all good things, but they'll never fix your marriage. You can't transform a relationship by avoiding the relationship, right? That's shame. Shame is not from God. So if you're in a relationship with another person, you got to fight right, specifically a marriage. you got to fight right. Conflict's going to happen. Things are going to come up. So I want to get really practical with you this morning. I want to share some ground rules for marriage conflict. It's about to get real in here. Are you ready for this? Okay. All right. So let's put up the slide now. Some ground rules. We can talk about this together. So here's some ground rules for healthy marriage conflict. Now, I know no one in here has ever had conflict in their marriage, but maybe these are just for me. So uh, let me share a few of these with you. Believe the best. What does that mean? We want to believe that our spouse has good intentions for us. Amen? I mean, they married you. So they obviously believe something is good about your life. They want to honor you and respect you. You know, when you're not believing the best about someone, it's so funny how even the slightest 
intonation of the voice can cause an offense, right? How was your day? Fine. What's wrong with you? (laughs) How are the kids doing? Okay. Well, I was at work, right? We kind of have this easy thing when we're not believing the best about the other people in our lives. No leaving talk. So when you're in a marriage argument, let's just call it what it is, okay? Don't threaten to leave. Don't storm out of the house. Don't threaten divorce. These things are not going to get you anywhere in a productive discussion. Avoid name-calling and profanity. You know, Elvis said it best, you ain't nothing but a hound dog, okay? So don't call your spouse a hound dog and don't call him anything worse. (laughs) Why? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, amen? This is not going to bring the Holy Spirit into your conversation. (laughs) Trust me, he wants to be there. Beware of time traveling. Okay, I, I know Ma, Doc and Marty are all on your brains, but this is not about a DeLorean. Let me, let me explain. So what happens is sometimes if you have an extended relationship with someone, like a spouse, you can get into time traveling. So this is what it means. You're having a conflict today, but then the discussion you had six months ago comes up. Then the discussion you had six years ago. And then 16 years ago. And then 26 years ago, can I get an amen? Okay, that's called time traveling. If you want to work something through with your spouse, discuss the issue at hand and ask for God's wisdom. I mean, we sit down with couples to engage in counsel and, you know, speak into their lives. They could be married 10, 12 years with two kids. They're still having the fights they were having when they were dating. That's called time traveling. You know, Shelly and I, we used to fight about what would happen when we had kids. This is before we were even pregnant. That was time traveling, okay? That got us nowhere in life. Please don't do that. Okay, so take a break and pray. Always good. Things are getting heated. Take some time off. Walk around the block. Walk the dog. Pray. Physical acts of rage are never okay. Just enough said. Go to bed on time. So as a young husband, I was very idealistic. I wanted to apply the word of God into my life. I believe the word is a weapon. So I read that scripture that said, the sun should never go down on your anger. I kept Shelly up very late (laughs) trying to work through some things. The sun should not go down on your anger, but it's okay for it to go down on your conflict. Not everything's going to be resolved in a day, right? Okay, so just get some rest. Great. If either person wants help, get help. So if your wife says, hey, we need some outside help here, just some outside counsel in our marriage with the kids, whatever, then both of you are like, right on. If the husband says, hey, we need some help here, guess what? Both of you are like, right on. Because in an abundance of counselors, there's victory. Amen? Yeah, those are some just ground rules for marriage conflict. That's going to help somebody. Help me. We're in a fight to flourish. We've got to guard our garden. We want to guard the place that God has given us. We're going to use the word as a weapon. We're going to fight right. Here's the last principle I want to share with you. We want to delight in our differences. We want to delight in our differences. Your thankfulness, your positivity, your honor of your spouse is actually a war against the enemy as you're delighting in your differences. This is what I find as I sit down with, with married couples, a lot of times the, the differences, the eccentricities, the gifts or the talents that attracted a young man to a young woman or a young woman to a young man, these, these things that attracted them to each other are the same things they're annoyed about two years later. <laughs> Somebody got me over there. So 
Why? Because God has ordained differences between you and your wife or husband to complement each other. He made it that way. So you have two options. You can fight against them or you can delight in them. Amen. I remember being on a walk with Shelly. We were in some intense discussion. It wasn't an argument. We were just, I was just you know, pontificating about something, right? So I'm talking, and I don't feel like she's listening to me. And then she stops, and she actually smells a rose. Like, stop and smell the roses, you know, this aphorism. She actually did that. And I just thought, wow, we are so different. <laughs> and then as I reflect on that moment, I thought, thank you, Lord. Without a wife like that, my blood pressure would be so high. It's awesome. I have a wife that enjoys beauty and gentleness and hospitality and stopping to smell the roses. I could probably use a few roses in my life. Don't bring me any, but I'm just saying. Okay. All right. (laughs) We're in a fight to flourish. It's been a very practical message, but let me just close with something Jesus said. Luke 17, verse 1. He's talking to his disciples. This is in the New King James Version. Jesus says this. He said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It is impossible that no offenses should come. Now, I believe we serve a God who always breaks through in the impossible. When he says it's impossible, we should probably listen, right? Okay, so here's what he's saying. When two people are together, it's impossible that one of them is not eventually going to be offended. Are you with me? Yeah. So, What's interesting here is this word he uses for the word offense. You know, this word, it's a Greek word, obviously, because it's in Greek, but it's the word scandalon. And the interesting thing is if you look at the etymology of this word, this word is the word that's used when you set a trap for an animal and you grab the bait before the trap, you know, grabs the animal. This is the word for that bait. You know, for many of us, it's the little offenses that build up over time that become the enemy's trap for our lives. That becomes the enemy's way to build a stronghold. Becomes the enemy's way to work against them. You know, the New Testament oftentimes uses this word to describe entrapment from the enemy. I've seen relationships recover from all kinds of things. Sin, trials, challenges, struggles in every area of life. Here's one thing that I found it's impossible to help someone with unless they're willing to give it to the Lord themselves, the stronghold of offense. When we are offended with someone, unforgiving of something that happened, it is God, set, God, God lets us deal with that in our own way, and it can become a trap. It can become a stronghold until we are willing to open our lives to God. Jesus said it was impossible that offenses would come. How we live in marriage, how we fight to flourish, how we handle those offenses, that determines our victory. That determines our success. Are you ready to fight to flourish in your marriage? Awesome. Well, let me give you some homework. This may, may apply to anyone here, but this, especially married couples. You know, the way that you turn the tide on offense is to be thankful. So we have a great day coming up on Thursday. Thanksgiving. Anybody going to have any turkey out there? All right. It's going to be awesome. Here's something else you're going to do. Okay. You're going to be thankful for your husband or wife. So let me give you three ways you can be thankful for your husband or wife. Way number one, write him a letter. Say, hey, I'm thankful for you. I bless you. Share something specific. 
If you don't like to write letters and all you can do is move your thumbs, do a social media post, okay, and celebrate them that way, okay? That would be awesome. I'd love to go throughout our social media as a church and see a lot of people just celebrating their husband or their wife. Here's the third thing you can do. Just at the dinner table, you can encourage them. That can really change the atmosphere of a home, really change the atmosphere of a relationship. That's the way to move past the little offenses that build up over time and celebrate who God has brought to us. Amen? So we want to close today. I know we've talked about the fight, but now I just want to celebrate. I want to celebrate the fact that God has brought so many of us together. And so as the band comes out and we get ready to close, there's just something special I want to do. If you're a married couple in this room, or maybe if you're married and your spouse isn't here, they're on deployment or they're working or whatever, would you just stand up? We just want to clap and celebrate you. Come on, guys. Let's celebrate these couples. Celebrate these different ones that are married. Awesome. Come on. We can clap louder than that at All People's Church. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. Well, stand up. Stay up. If you and your husband or wife have been married longer than five years, now you stay up. Now you stay up. I'm not trying to call it anybody's age here. All right, let's clap for these guys now. All right, they got the five year. Okay, what about 10 years? Now you guys stay up. Awesome, can we celebrate all these couples? Let's bless them. Come on, guys, let's stand and just give them a standing ovation. Come on. Let's bless their marriages. Stand up and give them a standing ovation. Come on, guys. Great. Let's everybody stand up. Band, you're there. Awesome. Great. Genesis 3.21 says this. After Adam and Eve sinned, God made clothing from animal skins for the man and his wife. What does that mean? You know, in the midst of our fight, in the midst of our desire to flourish, God is a redeeming God. Amen? Yeah, he's a redeeming God. His blood is powerful in our lives. You know, I just can imagine the first death, the Lord himself killed this animal. He made a covering for Adam and Eve. He covered them. He covered them in their weakness. He covered them in their brokenness. And he shed blood on their behalf for them to be redeemed. It's so prophetic of what Jesus did for us. Amen? The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's who we are. That's what we need. So if everyone could just bow their heads for a moment, there's two groups of people I want to pray for. This as we close our time. The first group of people are people that are just maybe in a season of fighting to flourish. And they just want the blood of Jesus spoken over their marriage. They need a blessing spoken over their marriage today. And so just with every eye closed, if, if that's you and you don't even have to be in agreement, but if one of you needs it, that's great. Could you just raise your hand real quick? Just, just raise your hand. You're in a season of needing that in your marriage. Nobody's looking around. Just hold those hands out as I pray a blessing over you. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over these marriages in Jesus' name. Come on, pray with me, guys. We speak a blessing over every couple in here, specifically these ones saying they want it today, Lord. I pray this, the blessing of Deuteronomy 28, they'd be blessed in their going out, they'd be blessed in their coming in. God, that they would be the head and not the tail. God, that you would empower them and protect them and preserve them in their fight to flourish in marriage. We ask that the grace of God would come upon their lives. Even as we celebrated communion today, we 
speak the blood of Jesus over them to cover their weakness and restore them and give them what they need in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. The next group of people are just people that are wanting to give their lives to Jesus today. I've talked about the cross. I've talked about the blood of Jesus. A lot of people know that story, but it's not just a story. It's a relationship that you begin with God. And that relationship starts with one decision. You just stepping forward and saying, yes, I want to be one that gives my life to Jesus. I'm choosing to do that today. So with every eye closed, if that's you, if you're someone that's wanting to give their life to Jesus for the first time today, could you just give me a wave? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to point you out. Just give me a wave. Let me see your hands. Great. Saw a hand there. Anybody, other hand I didn't see? Father, we pray for these people wanting to give their heart to you today. We bless them. God, I pray today would be the best day of the rest of their lives. God, we pray the blood of Jesus would come and cleanse them of their sins right now and pray that you would restore your relationship with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer team, come on up. We're gonna close this with the time of prayer. If you have any need at all, we would love to pray for you. Here's a few needs. First of all, physical healing. We love to pray for people that are in the midst of a physical challenge. We have all kinds of stories about that at this church. Financial challenges, family issues. You want someone just to speak a blessing over your marriage. I'd love to have some of our prayer team leaders that are married come up here as well so that so that people can receive blessing over their marriages as well. We'll close with that. Joel, close the service. Thank you.